0: Hello, it's Kelly Sterling, and welcome to Talking About Midlife, where we talk about lots of different topics pertaining to midlife. Today, I'm on my own, and I thought it's World Menopause Month, and this week it's World Menopause Day, so it would be really good to have a conversation around menopause and all the things that don't really get spoken about. So let's start with menopause itself and the definitions. So perimenopause is the time that precedes menopause. So it's the number of years, anywhere between usually three or ten for most people, that are before menopause. Menopause being that one day that's actually 12 months since your last period. And then after that, you're postmenopausal. But we use the term menopause I guess, colloquially to talk about this time period. But I have to say that, you know, perimenopause has been a term that's only been around for about maybe 10 years. So there's still a lot of people that don't really know that term or are not familiar with it. So mostly what we hear about menopause is that There's just a whole lot of really awful physical symptoms that people experience and I'm not going to talk about those symptoms today but I'm going to talk a little bit about to start off with the change that's going on inside and what you need to know there because you can pretty much Google and find out what some of those symptoms are if you're experiencing them and how would you know. But what's actually going on on the inside? So when you are in perimenopause, you are on the journey to your ovaries stopping producing your sex hormones. And when they do this, your adrenal glands, which sit with your kidneys, will take over that job. When we go through perimenopause, what can happen is it highlights a lot of vulnerabilities that we have in our physical, mental and emotional health. It can also highlight vulnerabilities that we have in our relationships. And a really big one for a lot of women is that it highlights the level of stress that they're carrying in their life and because their adrenal glands are taking over this role from the ovaries so our estrogen is declining our progesterone's probably started declining a long time before then our adrenal glands produce our stress hormones so they produce cortisol adrenaline they're the other two that, there's another one but they're the two that you would know particularly well and here's the thing that you need to understand. Estrogen, it can kind of buffer stress hormones when, like it'll buffer cortisol when we're full of estrogen. So a lot of us have learned over the years to just push through, push through the stressful times, don't make any adjustments. And we've kind of got through it because we've had the buffer of hormones there. We haven't had to slow down too much. If we've been really tired, so our body's been giving us feedback that we need a rest, a lot of us have learned to push through by drinking caffeine, maybe having some sugar, I don't know, whatever, taking something that will hype you up a little bit. Now this becomes really hard when we're in the perimenopause years because these adrenal glands are taking over this role. And the reason is is that your adrenal glands will always prioritize your safety over anything else that you know your stress response is about keeping you alive. So if you are constantly stressed, you can very easily become cortisol dominant. And this then causes a cascade of other issues, in particular not being able to sleep, putting on weight, just generally not feeling great, feeling really agitated and irritated. And what it can really throw off is this HPA axis. So you might have heard people talking about their HPA axis. It's the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. So different glands, okay, and it maintains feedback loops, that old HPA axis, so that the physiology of our body is in homeostasis. So it keeps this homeostasis. And now when we have these hormonal shifts, this impacts on this axis because the HPA axis, what it does is it impacts the endocrine system, behaviour, your autonomic nervous system and metabolic functions. So your endocrine systems, your hormones, so changes in one will impact on the others. It impacts on your behaviour because your autonomic nervous system drives your behavior. For example, uh, when you're in fight mode, you feel angry, irritated, frustrated. When you're in flight mode, you might feel a lot of fear or worry or anxiousness. When you are in fawn mode, which is like pleasing, a lot of niceness and appeasing other people. So these are responses that we have in our nervous system that are healthy, that help us function and survive. And then we can go into freeze. So, freeze feels like collapse, resignation, depression, being disoriented and confused. So, what I'm saying is when these hormonal changes can impact our autonomic nervous system, which then drives the behavior. So, I've just listed all these particular responses, and that can help us feel good or not so good. And if you're in a constant state of cortisol dominance because you're super stressed, that's going to drive a lot of fight and flight, maybe fawn-type behaviour. And then if you get super, super, super overwhelmed, you might flip into freeze, okay? It also impacts on metabolic function. So the production of insulin is a metabolic function. It's very common for a lot of women when they're cortisol dominant to have some problems with insulin, And this often is a precursor to diabetes type 2. So the thing that's super important to know with the physical symptoms is to understand, oh, okay, underneath in my system what's going on is my ovaries are winding down their job of producing sex hormones. I don't have as much of them in my body. They used to buffer my stress hormones a lot. And now my adrenal glands, which produce my stress hormones, are taking over that job. And if I'm feeling really stressed, they're going to produce more stress hormones, which will produce behaviour that maybe I'm not used to, that I haven't seen before. Maybe I'm feeling more angry. Maybe I'm feeling frustrated, rage. Maybe I'm feeling afraid. Maybe I'm feeling anxious. And maybe I just get to the stage where it's all too much and I feel really depressed. So your nervous system can get very dysregulated really easily. This will also impact on your health. That's the metabolic piece as well. So the question that you want to ask yourself is, and I encourage you to come from a position of curiosity, what if instead of seeing these as a burden, these symptoms, we saw them as signs? that my body's trying to tell me something, that maybe I am stressed, maybe I need to take some time for myself, maybe I need to slow down and just rest. Because here's the thing about this change, there's a lot of change going on in your body and you might remember back to your teenage years when you needed a lot of sleep because there was a lot of change going on then. Well, the same thing's happening now. And it's not just physical change, it's psychological change as well. It's identity change, which I'm going to speak a little bit more about. So the question that I ask of everyone that I work with when I'm coaching people is, how can you set yourself up to live well in your second half of life? So in this transition, if you're getting a lot of signs, if your body's trying to have a conversation with you and say, "Oh, there's some things that aren't right at the moment and they're showing you through your behavior or it's showing you through physical symptoms what if you slow down and listen to it because a lot of this journey is about coming home to yourself home being your soul so mixed in with this menopause journey and as I said I'm going to use that term just as an umbrella label for the purposes of this conversation is Midlife transition as well. It kind of starts in your 40s for most people, and it's a really complex time. And all of us, regardless of gender, go through our midlife transition. And midlife is very much about moving from your first adulthood, which is very driven by your ego, and it's sort of all about establishing yourself in your career, maybe establishing yourself in terms of getting a house, investing in property your family you know you might meet a partner so it's really like setting yourself up and a lot of people find by the time they get to their 40s that they're kind of kicking ass going really well at work or they're pretty established in their family and then all of a sudden this midlife stuff comes up because it's about moving to your second adulthood which is all about being more orientated from your soul which is the essence of who you are so how that shows up in a lot of people is they just get really disgruntled with their life and they look for something more. There's got to be more to this. I've had many high-achieving individuals I've coached over the years that get to very senior levels in organisation in their 40s and they're like, is this what it's all about? Like seriously? Like they kind of feel like they get to the top of the ladder and the space up there is kind of vacuous and empty. And so at the same time, they hit their midlife transition. I'm like, I want more meaning and purpose. There's got to be more to life than this. There is. In some ways, it makes it a little bit more complex with menopause laid over the top of it, but it's driving you to the same point, like come home to you. And that that requires, I think, quite a lot of inner work. And so the first place that I encourage people to go to is to look at how they've done transitions in the past, look at how they've managed change in their life. And particularly if you are in a female body, like how did you, what is your story that you've inherited about your menstrual, menstruality? What happened when you got your period, when menarch started? What did you learn off your family, off your mother, off your female caregivers about that? And how did that impact on your relationship with your menstrual cycle and how you took care of your body in that time? How did the cultural belief systems that you were exposed to impact on that? And then what happened when you had kids, if you did have them, that postpartum period, or did you take care of yourself and and that identity change of, into motherhood, which we call matrescence, okay? That's the... The rite of passage to becoming a mother which is very significant and to also explore your belief systems that you have internalized through popular culture aging how do you feel about aging there's so much anti-aging culture out there and you know it really really pushes against our sense of belonging and we adapt our behavior to belong to the cultural systems that we're a part of. So whether it's a family system or in your workplace or, you know, friendship groups, that sense of belonging is really a foundational part of who we are as human beings. And so it's really important that we examine how this anti-aging culture is impacting on our health and well-being. Some people are so affected by it that they put their head in the sand when it comes to menopause because they don't want to accept the part of them that is ageing, that their body is changing. How does it impact on your sexuality? Have you ever explored your sexuality? What about your sensuality? Our sensuality is how we experience the world through our five senses and we are very sensual humans but it's been coupled the shame around sexuality has been coupled with sensuality because sensuality is a gateway to sexuality how do you feel about that how do you feel about your femininity and your the fact that you're a cyclical being you know i think for a lot of female body people in modern workplaces it's very very hard for them to function and feel physically and mentally well because The structure of work and the way that we work the hours that we work is centred around a white male body. And if you look at the labour laws that a lot of modern Western uh, world organisations are working with, like the 40-hour work week was created in the 1850s, we are still working with that. That does not work for a lot of female bodies. They are cyclical. Women are cyclical beings, okay? We have a menstrual cycle each month for a very significant part of our life even when we're postmenopausal we're still cyclical we are not designed to be on 24/7 so it's very hard for a lot of women in their menopausal years or well in their motherhood years in their menstruating years to honor the cyclical parts of their femininity and to honour what their body needs, like that their body needs rest, that they don't have as much energy all the time during the month, and to honour that and to listen to the body because what happens is this constant need to push through, push through, push through and, you know, use coffee or sugar or whatever, we, we stop listening to our bodies. We stop listening to the boundaries of our bodies and then we're surprised when we hit menopause and all these symptoms arise and we don't know where they came from. Well, because we stopped listening to our body a long time ago. Another thing that a lot of people don't really talk about is the, the amount of grief that people experience during transitions. There can be a lot of grief and sadness. through, all, Like grief is not just for death okay, like this this sadness and grief because there's a part of us that we need to let go of in our transition to move to the next stage. So when it comes to midlife in particular, we can get very stuck looking outside ourselves, very, very stuck and, of course, This is often the case when we've been culturally conditioned to ignore our bodies and ignore our intuition because the answers are all on the inside. So when we are stuck trying to work through our experience, we feel the sadness, the grief, the disappointment, and it makes sense that all of these emotions will come up for these particular transitions but for midlife and menopause in general because there's, This midlife transition is very much asking you to be honest with yourself. It's the developmental challenge. Be really honest with yourself. Come home to the truth of who you really are. Come home to your soul, okay? Get rid of the conditions, the the ego, strategies that were put in place when you were a kid and developmentally appropriate to help you survive in the world, okay so there's parts of you the younger parts of you that need to be let go so that you can grow into emotional adulthood so that you can grow into your wise woman self and this is where anti-aging can really put a bit of a um, spanner in the works that's probably a very Australian saying but The anti-aging messaging that encourages you to be young all the time can prevent you from being honest with yourself at this time. So the grief is like a lubricant for us. It helps. It's like the tears of our grief are the lubricant that we need to help everything flow. So grief is necessary. It's a necessary emotion at midlife because we are being asked to let go of childhood emotional strategies and step fully into our adult selves. Emotional adulthood asks you to honour your past and lay it to rest so that you can step into your wise woman power that is coming to you via this menopause transition. So Carl Jung has this really beautiful saying where he says, embrace your grief, from there your soul will grow. And the world needs its wise women right now. It needs desperately needs elders. You don't become an elder in the society just by getting older. It's a developmental stage. With this focus and adoration of youth, I think it's really impinged on society's ability to grow mature elders that can hold the community in the challenges that it has so it's super important that we honor the emotions that we're feeling we have been culturally conditioned a lot of us to to push away those really hard emotions i mean you know anyone who does yoga they get taught when they're angry frustrated sad all of the above, to centre themselves and calm themselves, which is spiritual bypassing. Like all emotions are relevant. You need all emotions. There's signals and signs for you. So a lot of the work that needs to be done at this point in time, I would call it inner child work or you might call it shadow work, is really about reclaiming the parts of you that you have fragmented off in childhood to stay safe and survive so that you can grow into mature emotional adulthood you need to be able to be okay with your emotions so that you can hold space for other people's emotions emotionally mature adults can hold grief in one hand and gratitude in the other we need the wise women of the world those post-menopausal women they are custodians in the community. They're going to support the community with the bigger, more complex issues that we face. And this, of course, is part of midlife as well, this maturity into second adulthood. And as I said, it doesn't happen naturally. You actually have to work at it. You can, get, you can definitely get stuck developmentally at this stage and never move beyond it. So there are both uh, skills that you need to learn around decision-making, taking the perspective of others, inquiry, being being able to manage the tensions of polarity in your life but also in your community. So part of that is cognition, which is thinking, feeling, doing, and it takes practice. And part of it is about you doing your shadow work and letting go of the stuff that you don't need anymore that's holding you back. So another thing that people don't talk about is kundalini energy changing direction. In fact, I have only come across a couple of people who have explained this really well and I've read so many books on menopause from every different perspective because I work with so many people going through this transition and every single person going through menopause their transition is unique and of course you are a unique person because your journey through midlife will address what you need to learn so that you can thrive in your second half so My transition is different to your transition. It's different to your friend's transition. It's like every person's unique because we all have stuff to learn about ourselves. And that makes it interesting but also complex because there's no kind of roadmap to this transition. It's more about being able to be present with your experience and listen to your body and follow it through. There's definitely tools and skills. There's a lot of really good information out there about, physical health in terms of hormones and the nervous system. You will feel uncomfortable when you're feeling these big emotions. It will feel unsafe in your nervous system if you've been pushing them away for a really long time. Your your nervous system is wired toward a particular experience and orientation that you have in the world. It's not uncommon at this point in time for old trauma to come up for resolution. And that can be the big stuff. If you've had big T trauma in your life, it can also be the smaller stuff. And this is this inner child or shadow work that I'm talking about. And the reason that happens is because our body has an innate intelligence towards healing and growth. So if this is coming up for you, invest in yourself, go and work with someone that can support you. If it's the the big trauma stuff, you need to work with someone who understands the nervous system, who understands that the body holds the trauma, not the thinking mind. You can't heal trauma through talk therapy. It's the body-based work. It has to be someone who's very skilled in somatic experiencing, sensory motor psychotherapy. That's what you're looking for. And so this kundalini energy, back to that, it comes up in midlife. Now let me explain the directions of it. So when we're children, it just kind of moves around our body. When we start menstruating, when we start having periods, it comes up from the ground into our uterus and then falls back down when we have our period each month. This is for female bodies, not for male bodies. Go a different direction for them. And then when you go through menopause, what happens, and you might feel, this is where we can feel a bit out of control, I think because the kundalini energy starts changing direction. Kundalini energy is your life force energy. Some people call it chi, some people call it prana, okay? Your life force energy is also your sexual energy. It will go straight up the centre through the head once you're postmenopausal. And the feeling of this energy, call it erotic energy as well, can be scary, amazing, and uncomfortable. And the change in direction from a nervous system can make your nervous system really rattly. So know that it changes. You can work with it. It does get blocked with trauma. And learn how to tune into it. And that brings me to sexuality. So a lot of people find when it comes to menopause that their libido goes AWOL. Or they might be amped up with kundalini energy and they might find that their libido is full on and they have a huge appetite for it. Some people also find that they have an appetite for it, but they're more interested in self-pleasuring not having someone do something else to them so all of this patterning can change and it's maybe not permanent it's maybe you might experience all of this as well it might not be one of each it might be oh at times I feel like my libido is not there some people have I've worked with over the years have said oh you know it's there but I forget about it so that drive for procreation is not there anymore and then I remember and go oh yeah you know, and get into it. Some people's increase in their kundalini energy results in a lot of creativity, like they're making a lot of stuff because that sexual energy is creative energy. It can be all of the above. And if you are in a long-term relationship with a partner, this can be a very confusing time. So what do you do? Well, I think it's really important to talk about it. But also I would encourage you to explore your sexuality. And I think the other thing that's really interesting is that for a lot of people their version of sexual intimacy is what I would call penis in vagina sex if they're in a hetero relationship. And there's so much more to intimacy than that. And this is where tantric sexuality can be super awesome to learn because you learn how to communicate with each other really well, that there's just a whole lot of host of other practices that you can do to stay connected to each other that don't involve penetrative sex but are sexual in nature and they're fabulous. And I've worked with a lot of couples over the years teaching them this and it's transformed their relationship. So relationships can come under quite a bit of challenge at this time, particularly if you're both in midlife, you're both needing to do the shadow work and you're not talking to each other. So I think being able to be vulnerable. So again, this vulnerability keeps coming in, okay? So paying attention to your vulnerabilities in terms of your physical and mental and emotional health, but being vulnerable with your partner and talking to them about what's going on for you because it's scary for them. And the rhythms of our erotic desire change through our life. And people can have different marriages through their life, like actual physical different marriages, but a lot of people, if they're in the same marriage, the nature of that marriage can change a lot through their life. And that's a good thing, reinventing your marriage, I think, or your relationship. Esther Perel talks about this a lot. So being able to talk to each other and know that you're going through this massive transition, and what you're feeling, you know, emotionally, that that you just also just need a lot of rest and that you will find that if you rest and relax, your desire will return without a doubt if you take that time for yourself. And let's go back to that hormonal change. So your adrenal glands can't produce stress hormones and sex hormones at the same time. They have an inverse relationship. So if you're chronically stressed, it's not going to be producing sex hormones because, remember, the nervous system's job is to keep you safe. So if you're feeling really stressed, it'll just be asking it to produce more stress hormones. So this is where rest becomes a big part of your erotic practice. And slowing down. And when you're being with your partner, slowing down and learning how to communicate with each other. Communication is the key to greater intimacy in your life with your partner. Not, I have no doubt about it. It's been my own experience. And with every person I've coached over the years, that has definitely been a huge part of it for them It's learning how to communicate what they want and what they need. And I think the more that we can be open and honest with how we're feeling in this menopause time, not only with our partners but with our families and with our friends, it destigmatizes menopause and it makes it less scary. Like a lot of people are generally terrified of it and they don't need to be. They just need to know that, yeah, this body's going through a lot of change and it needs time, it needs rest, it needs love, it needs support, it needs nourishment and it just needs you to be present with it. And what is going on for it right now? It needs you to kind of be okay with the ambiguity that you're feeling. Like, I don't, you know, the feeling of not having hormones drive your moods can be a little bit uncomfortable. I mean, my personal experience, because I'm postmenopausal now, is I love how I feel. I love that estrogen is not kind of ruling my life and my cycles anymore. To me, it feels really liberating and powerful because I feel like I'm the woman or growing into the woman that I was supposed to be. And I'm embracing that honesty. I'm embracing this sort of not caring. I'm embracing just being present with my body. It's just been such a beautiful thing for me and not to think too much about the future and just kind of be with the here and now. And it has required me to slow down a bit with my work and just take some time out and you might need some time out a lot of women when they've gone through menopause need time out and they need rest so hopefully you work in an environment where you have some flexibility or maybe you're like me and you work for yourself and so you can pick and choose but I don't know someone gave me some good advice and they said work to the bare minimum show up and do what you do and take as much time as you need for yourself and that's what I've done and it's really worked for me. So I've still been able to work quite productively and effectively but I've also taken a lot of time for myself. And it does feel different in your nervous system feeling this new you and it can be a little bit like, ooh, is this okay? Is this safe? Is it safe for me to feel like this? And just remember that it's good to listen to other people's stories, it's good to read books, do your research so you know about things that might happen you know of the like mega list of physical symptoms there'll be a sign telling you something and to slow down and take it easy and you know sleep's super important exercise super important what you eat looking after your liver health is super important because your liver is the refinery for your body because it's metabolizing those hormones as you're hormones go up and down during this transition period it's got to do that job so if it's got to clean up a lot of waste from crappy food you're just putting extra pressure on it but the other thing is your liver in Chinese medicine your liver is after your liver looks after your spiritual self and this is a huge spiritual transformation so it's not just Physically, we have to look after our liver. It's psychologically and emotionally as well. We have to look after it. So I hope that there's been a few bits and pieces in here that have been useful for you and that you can start asking yourself the question, how can I set myself up to live well in my second half of life? How can I be radically honest with myself? I'm coming home to myself, to me, the real me, the real essence of me, And connecting with what I want in terms of my future career and my future calling, what does my body want, what do I want when it comes to my sexuality, my sensuality, how I'm going to do ageing, what's my take on ageing, how I embrace my emotions and just let them flow so that I can grow into emotional adulthood. How can I be of service to the bigger picture? These are all the questions that we face and you can't do that when you're in a hurry, when you're racing around. It takes time, it takes presence, it takes nourishment and nurturing and looking after ourselves. If you are interested in exploring coaching, you can go to my website and Just click on the book a Clarity Call button and we can have a complimentary conversation to see if I'm a right match to work for you. I do loads of shadow work. I do loads of transition work. I do loads of grief work with people. Um, And I work somatically. I'm a somatic experiencing practitioner in training. I'm a trained somatic coach. So I work with not just the brain but with the body as well. Hope that you enjoyed this and feel free to come back to me with questions.